Started the whole timer over talking, didn't I? <laughs> Praise God. All right. Welcome. Those of you online wondering what was going on there with that. So, uh, um, <laughs> amen. Uh, I am going to take a couple of days off um, for Christmas, but it's, it almost looks like I've already done that. So, um, so for the record, this is class 17. Uh, the countdown slide had uh, 18, and I apologize for that for those of you watching online who already or for that matter, those of you in the room also who had already uh, written 18 at the top of your notes page. So this is class 17, and uh, I'll try to remind, uh, remember to do it again at the end, but we will have class next week. I know it's just a couple of days after Christmas, but on the 27th, um, I think, you know, everybody be ready to kind of start getting back to at least some semblance of, of, of normal schedule. And so uh, we will be here next uh, Wednesday as well. And so we are um, very, very excited about that. Praise God. All right, let's, um, let's pray and we'll get started. Father, thank you so much for your goodness to us. Um, Father, when we really begin to understand what you have done for us, what you have made us, who you have made us, and what you've given to us, Father, in the person of your Son, it is, it is uh, somewhat overwhelming, Father. Um, your grace truly is amazing, and, and I, I, I'm not sure the word amazing is a big enough word, Father, to, to really capture what your grace is all about and who you are and who you're all about. Thank you for always believing the best about us, Father. You've never given up on us, and you never will. And I thank you, Father, that you're there for us, and you're here with us now. And Lord, I thank you for answers tonight, Lord, that you would help us Continue to understand your truth and your wisdom, your ways, Father. Lord, we've done it our way long enough. We want to know your ways, and we want, to, we want to do it your way, Father, because we want your results in our lives. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your kindness, Father, your patience, Lord. And for your Holy Spirit who's with us, he's in us, he's among us, and he's upon us tonight. Lord, upon me to speak your word with clarity and precision. And Father, upon these uh, precious uh, ears, Lord, who are hearing and listening to receive and not just here, but Lord, for it to uh, become revelation uh, deep inside of, of, of us tonight. Lord, in, in such a way as it to renew our minds and transform our lives for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. Praise God. So um, you've heard me mention uh, a time or two that um, we just celebrated our 25th anniversary this year at, um, at Heritage. And um, this church started in my cabinet shop. A few blocks behind me, uh, first Sunday of June, 1998, and the Saturday night uh, before, uh, we were getting some things together. Had to move out some cabinet displays and set up some chairs and things of that nature. And and um, my dad said a couple of things to me then that you know really impacted me. And one of those was that he said we had a rare opportunity to get it right from day one. You know get it off to a good start, right? And I thought, you know, that's right. We want to, we want to get off to a good start and, and we, want to, we want to keep it going right, you know, what God has. And, and this was the simple formula that the Lord gave me. Uh, and this is good for your individual life. It's good for any organization that you might lead or, or be over, that, that sort of thing. But the Lord told me, watch this now, to do His thing, to do it His way and expect His results. Okay, so God's thing, God's way, God's results. And he went on to uh, impress upon me that there are a lot of people who do his thing, but they do it their way instead of his. And one of the examples that 
he showed me when he was teaching me this was the example of water baptism. Water baptism is God's thing. God's way of water baptism is buried with Christ under the water, raised up with Christ to newness of life. It's an outward expression of an inward reality. Because if you've been born again, you died with Christ and you were raised up together with him to newness of life. Now, listen, if you were raised different ways, you know, um, it's like it's kind of inconvenient getting wet in front of a bunch of people. Can you just put a little water on my head or something, you know? And again, I'm not trying to bash anybody on, on any of that, but that was one of the examples the Lord showed me. Baptism is his thing, but let's do it his way and expect his results. And uh, all things pertaining to the finances of the church and, and not manipulating people to give. Again, the Bible says, uh, do not uh, give out of a sense of obligation or compulsion, uh, which, again, they may have done this differently in the church you were raised in, but uh, we don't do pledge drives here at Heritage. We don't do thermometers here at Heritage, okay? Um, because if, if I was to, um, you know, if I was to hand Matthew a card and I said, all right, Matthew, would you mind pledging some money to the church? Well, notice now he just obligated himself and the Bible says strictly, it says, do not give out of obligation, but from what? A cheerful heart, as each man or woman purposes in their heart to do so as unto the Lord. So God's thing, God's way, God's results. All right. But the question then becomes, all right, so how do, how do we know God's ways? And I have good news for you, okay? He... he actually put them in a book for us to know and understand and learn from and follow. And um, you know, there's a lot of folks that, that do a lot of things their way and, and ask God to bless it. A lot of people who do things according to their own understanding and, instead of God's ways and, uh, and wonder why it doesn't work out in the end. Okay? Um, but a simple, simple, simple you know, uh, life plan to follow Again, God's thing, God's way, God's results. So marriage is God's thing. Let's do it God's way. Let's expect God's results. Okay, we, sh we, we should not expect God's results, even if it's God's thing, if we're doing it our way. Amen? Amen. Now, what we're going to see in this opening passage is that God's ways are higher than our ways. And higher in the sense of elevation, but also higher in the sense of much better. Much, much better. Okay, not just a little bit better, not just a little bit higher, but a lot higher and a lot better. But one of the things that you need to know going in is that God's ways won't always make sense to you. As a matter of fact, I can just about guarantee you that God's ways are not going to make sense to your uh, earthly mind, your carnal mind. It's because His ways are higher. And we, and we illustrate that in, in different ways. Um, but again, you can live according to your own understanding or you can do it God's way and according to His understanding, but you can't, you can't live your life according to your own understanding and God still direct your paths. So just know that as we go in. These are some cornerstone verses that, that are related to these things. And um, so let's begin in Isaiah 55, 6 and 11. And so the title slide again is Heaven's Plural, and then uh, hopefully we'll get to Kingdom Overview as well tonight. I don't think we'll have time to finish Kingdom Overview, but we'll at least try 
to get started on that section. If I haven't told you enough or lately, um, I love you. I'm thankful for you. Uh, you're a blessing uh, to me. Your faithfulness uh, is wildly encouraging to me. Your faithfulness to these classes says a lot to me. And one that is extremely important to me is that your presence in this room tells me that there are people who still care about God and His ways and His wisdom and His truth for their lives. And, and not just for what it could do to help you, but how you might be better equipped to help and serve somebody else. And so this is... Uh, very, very satisfying and pleasing to our Father as well. Uh, in the book of Malachi, it says that when people gather in His name and talk about Him, He records it all in a book. So somewhere in heaven, it's recorded that not only are you here tonight, but the things that we talk about and, and, and say, just like, you know, you see that court, what they call him a court reporter or a stenographer, you know, over there, everything that's said in that courtroom, man, he or she's just going away at it, right? Well, angels somewhere, I don't know how they do it, audio, video, stuff that we don't even know beyond audio and video. Um, but it's, it's recorded in heaven that you're here tonight. I know you signed your name on a piece of paper that you're present, okay? But uh, there's another role, amen, <laughs> that's being taken above. And, uh, and that's because it's important, right? We, we record... Uh, things that are memorable and, and important, things that, that we want to um, uh, catalog, archive, uh, mementos, things of this nature. We get that from our Creator Father. And those we're created in His image and likeness. And um, so, praise God. So heavens, plural tonight, and then kingdom overview. We'll at least try to get started on that. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 6 through 11. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. And we said last week, just in relationship to that verse, that God can always be found. It's just sometimes we're in a better frame of mind, uh, for lack of a better uh, expression, than at others uh, where our hearts are, are more tender and sensitive towards uh, the things of God. And so seek Him while He may be found. Call upon Him while He's near. Let the wicked forsake His way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and He will have mercy on him and to our God for He will abundantly pardon. Another key connection we mentioned last week, I'll just point it out to you one more time, and that's the correlation between the way a person thinks and the way a person uh, uh, does things or the way a person acts, behaves, put in different words there. So when he says forsake his way, he's talking about turning away from your way of doing it and, and ultimately turning to God's way of doing it. And the unrighteous man forsake means to turn your back on your thoughts, your best intentions, your best plans, and instead receive God's. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Verse 7 is a, is a really uh, you know, practical uh, explanation of what true repentance is. True repentance is more than just acknowledging that you're wrong and asking for forgiveness. But true repentance um, will recognize the wrong thinking that and that and, and with God's help, that wrong thinking will change, and then it'll translate into different doing. Okay, uh, verse number eight: For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, 
It shall not uh, return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. One of the keystone verses for this section is Hebrews 4.12, where the Bible says the Word of God is living and powerful. And here we see as well that when God's Word is spoken, it um, has power within it to accomplish what He pleases, and it has power in it to prosper in the specific thing for which He sent it. Okay? So I've been encouraging you over the last few classes that if there are issues in your life that you're you know, wanting to overcome, obstacles that you're wanting to see uh, moved out of the way, uh, different issues, either internal issues in your emotions, uh, negative emotions, things of this nature, anxiety, depression, what have you, that you're dealing with, wanting to overcome, uh, as well as things you know, that would be around you in your environment that are hindering you or causing you problems and issues. We want to use the Word of God and the power that's in the Word of God to bring uh, not just uh, effective change to these areas, come on now, but uh, lasting change, lasting change. So the Word of God contains the power of God. Remember we've said it's God-breathed, so you can't speak without breathing. God can't speak, speak without breathing. And so when God breathes His Word, His Word contains within itself the power to produce whatever it is that He has spoken. If God tells you to do something, if you couldn't do it before He told you, when He told you, now you can. Because there's power in the instructions for you to do whatever it is that He instructed you to do. Praise God. So last week we, made, uh, we clarified that in Hebrews 1, that it's not just the uh, power of His Word, but it's the Word of His power. Because the Word of God uh, acts like a conduit or a pipeline through which the power of God, we said conveyor, it conveys the power of God from God to a situation in, in our lives. And so it's not just, and we'll see this as we dig through this tonight, it's not just that, you know, what has God said about it, okay? Remember the most important question you could ask is what does the Word say? What does God say? What does the Word say about my situation? What does the Word say about my children? What does the Word say about my money? What does the Word say about me a place to live? What does the Word say about my emotional well-being? What does the Word say? And just on and on and on. We need to know what the Word says. Amen? Okay. Because anything that God has said to you and me, He has said it with, with the purpose in mind of there being power in His Word to accomplish things in your life, also power in His Word to prosper. If you're prospering, that means that, that it's getting better. It's, it's, it's increasing, all right? Uh, if, if you own a business and your business is prospering, that means uh, new clients, uh, growth, uh, bottom line is getting better, money in the bank, what have you. So the idea behind something prospering means that it's going well, it's, it's beneficial, uh, and is uh, improving, increasing, okay? So, how many of you before, either last week or tonight, have ever heard the expression, God's Word will not return void? Some of you have heard that before, okay? So obviously this is where uh, that passage is taken from. God's Word will not return void. I want you, though, to look carefully um, at this, okay? Because what, what we see that may not be clear in the first pass is that the Word of God will not return 
void to him, but the word of God must be returned to him. Okay, And so the example, the example that is given in Scripture is that of precipitation. It's that of, of water in the, in the earthly heavens, right, falling from a higher place down to a lower place. We know that the earth then soaks that rain in, plants uh, soak that rain in, seed soak that uh, rain in, and it's that rain that acts as a catalyst, right, uh, to activate the potential that's in the seed. It, it, it nourishes the plant so that it can be fruitful and productive. And so God is saying that in the same way, He has sent His Word down to you and me from a higher place to a lower place. Let's not forget the context, okay? The context is our thoughts aren't His thoughts, therefore our ways aren't His ways, because His ways are higher than our ways and His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God's not diagnosing some gap that can't be bridged because He's bridged the gap for us, right? How did He bridge the gap? He bridged the gap by sending His Word down to us from heaven to the earth. <coughs> Excuse me. Amen. Can y'all hear me okay in the back? Okay. So it comes from a higher place to a lower place. But notice now, if, we, if we're going to follow the, the example that we have, the, the, the earth and the seed and the plant, they take the water in and then they send it back into the atmosphere to complete the cycle. To complete the cycle. Okay? It can rain, but if a plant is separate from... The, uh, you know, if you've got a plant that needs water in Hoover and, the, and it's raining in Bessemer, amen. Are you following what I'm saying? So just because it's, it's, it's raining, uh, that's not where the, the, the catalyst and the release and all of these things are occurring. It is the potential that's in it is released when it is returned, okay? So seeds are filled with potential, and we're talking about a catalyst uh, and a catalyst, if you're not familiar with that word, that's what activates or sets a thing in motion. So the returning of Father's word releases the accomplishing and prospering power that resides within it. Okay? So if he sends his word to you and me, and there's power in his word to produce the thing that, that he has sent it forth to produce, to accomplish what he sent it forth to accomplish, to bring prosperity in the, in the area for which he has sent the word of God, all right, and it will not return back to him without accomplishing and without prospering and without producing, right? Okay, so all that's good, but let me just go back to those of you who said, and I, I'm trying to shake something here. Um, I, maybe you didn't, maybe you just didn't feel like raising your hand tonight. But of all the years that I've asked that question, how many of you have ever, ever heard the, the verse, God's word won't return to him void? That is far and away the fewest number that's ever been. I mean, I'm not, that's not bashing you. Please hear me, okay? Um, I'm just saying, amen. Uh, it, it's it's uh, hallelujah. Help us, Jesus. Amen. All right. So the word of God. <laughs> amen. Amen. Praise God. Okay. All right. So Hezekiah is not a book in the Bible. Jambalaya is not a book in the Bible. Amen. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'm being silly with that, but, um, you know, God's word's important. And, and obviously you're here because you want to learn. And, uh, and, and that's why, again, my hat's uh, off to you in this. All right. Um, so 
when God sends his word down to you and me, um, the power that's in that word to make the difference in your life is released into your life, released into your situation, released into your circumstances when you return it back to God. And you may be way ahead of me, but we, we return it back to God, not with a return to sender stamp from the post office, okay? But we return it back to Him by speaking it back to Him, by speaking His Word back to Him, right? So the most important advice I could ever give anybody is agree with God and agree with Him quickly. To confess the Word. Anybody have heard that? You need to confess the Word of God. Well, think about if someone confesses to a crime, when someone confesses to a crime, what are they doing? They're saying the same as the crime. If someone says, no, no, you're accused of doing something and, and you didn't do it, or maybe you did it and you're just hoping to get a light sentence or whatever, you, know, you deny it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. You don't say the same as. Okay? So the word confess means to say the same as. So when we confess the word of God, we are saying the same as God. We are saying what God has said. And in the process, we are returning his word back to him. So if you have situations in your marriage, if you have situations in, uh, you know, as a mother or a father pertaining to your children, again, money, there's, there's, there's nothing that has anything to do with you that God hasn't had something, something to say about it. And that's strategic on his part because he's trying to give you and me uh, the wherewithal that we need uh, in his word to be able to see things produced, see things accomplished, see issues uh, moved, and bring prosperity in areas of our lives. Amen. When you hear prosperity, I know it's easy to think of, of finances, and, and the Bible 1,000% uh, teaches you and me about financial prosperity. The Bible tells you how to have uh, barns and bank accounts filled with plenty. Uh, the Bible tells you how to increase financially. Uh, God is interested. And as a matter of fact, the Bible says He takes pleasure in your prosperity. So in the same way any parent in this room would take pleasure in your children uh, prospering and doing well, uh, no one would get excited about your, your children getting evicted from their apartment or their car being repossessed or things of this nature, uh, but just the opposite. Okay, So I'm not trying to do what a lot of people do and say, uh, that prosperity applies to other things but not money. Uh, the, the Word of God will prosper concerning any subject that it has instructions or a word from God about. And the Word has a lot to say about money. The Word also has a lot to say about your emotional well-being. The Word of God also has a lot to say about your marriage. The Word of God also has a lot to say about raising children. The Word of God also has a lot to say. One of my favorite ones out of Isaiah, All of my children are taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of my children. Amen. Don't call them rugrats. Don't talk about... See, again, we, I think we did this a couple of weeks back, you know, speaking blessings over your automobile, and we think that's the most ridiculous thing, but boy, let, it, let something go wrong with it, and we'll curse it in a heartbeat. You know, it, it seems so odd to, to actually deliberately, on purpose, intentionally say something positive about a, 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 a machine, you know, but we think nothing of, uh, you know, flying off the handle and kicking it even, you know, if, um, if, if it uh, doesn't perform as we expected it to perform. So, you know, deliberately, intentionally speaking these things over your children. Amen. Amen. 
You say, I mean, if, if you're picking up what I'm putting down tonight, it shouldn't be a trick question, okay? Why do you think God equipped you and me with a verse that says, all of my children are taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of my children? Because that's what He's wanting to accomplish in the lives of your children. That's what He's wanting to see producing and prospering. Um, how many of you know there's a, there's a lot of voices in the world that are trying to get our children's attention? A lot of voices in the world that are trying to teach our children. A lot of different ways of, of living and being and doing in our world today. That uh, And listen, the devil, he's, he, he ain't messing around. He is, he is working overtime to, to try to be the leading voice uh, of influence in, in the lives of our loved ones and family members. And so we have the Word of God, amen, to speak over um, our situations. If you're in here and, you're, and, you, and you desire a spouse, the Bible says if a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing for his life and obtains favor uh, of the Lord. So th these are things, again, that God has equipped us with, not just for uh, you know, a word on the page to give us some type of instruction or insight. Certainly we receive instruction. Certainly we, we receive insight from the Word of God. But remember... The same Bible that would identify uh, something that's wrong or an error in your life is the same word uh, that can also bring the correction. It doesn't just identify a problem and leave you hanging. God's Word has the power both to identify the problem that we have and then also bring God's power into that situation and, and make a tangible, verifiable, undeniable change in, in your life. But if we only view the Word of God as... Um, as, as, you know, powerful but, but not living or, or what have you, th then we're missing out on, on what it is that God wants us to do. So when we speak the Word of God, when we speak the Word of God, when we say what God says about our situation, um, 1 Peter 2.24 says, By His stripes you were healed. By His stripes you were healed. Amen. So the, the minute I started feeling a little scratchy throat last night, I began to uh, get out my sword. Amen. And, um, you, know, the, it's the, you know, here comes the devil, right? You're going to be sick for Christmas. You're not even going to feel like, so, again, all these thoughts. And if we're not careful, listen to me now. If we're not careful, um, he will be feeding us thoughts, and those thoughts will be coming out of our mouth. Can't believe I'm not feeling good at Christmas, man. I mean, I mean, see, here we go, right? See, and the devil sit back going, yeah. you know, when, when instead we can say, by his stripes I was healed. If I was healed, I am healed. Amen. What he, again, he sent his word. Remember that from last week? He sent his word and healed them. He sent his word and healed them. Life to all our flesh. Health to all our flesh. The word of God. Amen. So I know for some of you, uh, this, this is uh, old school. You, in other words, you, you know all about this. You've been doing this, practicing this uh, maybe for years. But again, I, I'm not sure based on the number of you who've never heard God's word will not return void that you've ever had anybody explain this to you. But let's go back to it. The word of God is seed. The word of God is fire. The word of God is light. The word of God is a hammer. The word of God is a sword, right? And so if the word is a sword, how do we swing it? The word of God is a light. How do we shine it? Again, by speaking. It's a, it's a word sword and it uh, must be spoken. Now, go with me. To Isaiah 51 and 16. Isaiah 51 and 16. And if you'll notice, uh, I commented uh, little to nothing on bread, uh, seed to sow, bread to eat. Right? Seed to sow, bread to eat. Let me just remind you that a portion of, of every good thing that comes in your life, uh, God has given it to you as both seed and bread. 
Don't look at it all. Don't think of it all as bread and wind up eating all your seed. Okay? Whatever finances you have right now, if it's, if it's 50 cents, okay, then you need to look at that 50 cents as um, a portion of it is for me to expend on needs or, or what have you, but a portion of it is seed for me to plant. He gives seed to plant, bread to eat, seed to plant, bread to eat, seed to plant, bread to eat. I don't say that about 75 more times because we need, we need to start thinking this way, right? We need to start looking at our lives this way. Uh, and you say, well, Pastor Mark, I, I'm not working right now. I don't, I don't have any money. Okay, then uh, what about your burnt Cheez-Its or extra toasty Cheez-Its or whatever? I'm picking on somebody now, okay? Right, uh, just kidding, sister. I don't want your Cheez-Its. But I'm, you're, you're, in other words, look at it as, as okay, I'm gonna, this is the portion that's for me, but here's, here's the portion that uh, I'm, I'm going to plant, I'm going to sow, I'm going to share it with somebody else, I'm going to give it to somebody else. Amen. And, and if you'll begin to develop that mindset, rather than seeing everything in your life as a consumable and nothing as a plantable, right? Okay, something that you plant, a sowable, I don't know, what's the word there? Amen. Uh, you'll start to turn uh, the ship uh, of, of your financial life and, and so forth and so on um, uh, around. And maybe it's a, maybe you've got two pairs of shoes and, and uh, I, I'm, I'm just, again, um, you start recognizing God as the source of every good thing in your life and that if it wasn't for Him, you wouldn't have a, a single pair of shoes, but now you've got two or three. And uh, my brother, my sister, whoever, they, you know, they, they got some, they got holes in them and it's cold, whatever. Are you, amen. So, not all the shoes you have are for you. <laughs> amen. That's why I look at that's why I look at these things in my life. It's not all not all of this is for me. And and if I want to continue uh, to have uh, nice and, and new shoes, then I need to I need to sow. I need to plant. I need to, I need to put some of these seeds in the fertile soil of somebody else's life. Amen. Now again, I, I'm 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 not feeling resistance, but I'm I'm almost feeling like. Some of you is like, where, where has this understanding been my whole life? And, and again, uh, it's really sad to me when people have been raised in church and have never heard these things or been taught these things. But God set all this up um, for you and me. Amen. All right. Now, Isaiah chapter 51 and verse 16. Isaiah 51 and 16. God speaking, and he says, and I have put my words in your mouth. Amen. Your, God says my words. God says my words in your mouth. I have covered you with the shadow of my hand that I may plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth and say to Zion, you are my people. All right. Now, I'm going to come back to that verse. Uh, I'm feeling compelled to share this real quick. Like um, we don't have to turn there, but in Galatians chapter three, verse 26 uh, and that carries into the same thought carries into chapter 4 verse 1. The Bible talks about what's true of those who are in Christ, who've put on Christ. And he starts talking about all these different identifying factors. There's neither male nor female. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. For all one in Christ Jesus. And, and, and it's just a, a beautiful culmination of all the things that have been covered in the first three full chapters of, um, of the book of Galatians. Now, the Holy Spirit and the Apostle Paul anticipating the question that would, would more than likely inevitably come is that if all of this is true that you've just spelled out for us in these first three chapters, then why uh, am I living uh, and experiencing uh, something far different from that in, in my life? OK, 
okay? And so he goes on to say, now I say, so key word there, now I say. We'll come back to these verses in the days ahead, okay? But Galatians chapter 4, verse 1, he says, now I say. So now meaning, all right, I've said all this, now I'm going to say this because it's going to help you make sense of this. Now I say that the heir, he made a case that we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. He made a case that um, we are in right standing with God, same right standing with God the Father as Jesus, and that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I could go on and on, okay? So he says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differs nothing from a slave, though he be master or lord of all. Wow. Okay, we've looked at this verse earlier in some of the other classes, okay? Now, here I go to this now because I want you to see something. The definition of one who is a child, not, I'm talking about this particular word in the original language, it has to do with one who is ignorant, okay? And ignorant means you don't know. If you don't know, you don't know, okay? But there's a cure for ignorance, right? That's learning and growing and being taught of the Lord, okay? Uh, ignorant, then the next one is immature. Uh, someone who's immature is someone who is not yet fully developed. Doesn't mean we're incapable of developing but we just haven't matured, we haven't grown, we haven't developed, right? So a child is one who is ignorant, immature. And the third one is, is, is when I say strange, it's bullseye, but it's not like the first two because you're looking almost for looking for one more word, right? Ignorant, immature, number three, unable to speak on his or her own behalf. Ignorant, immature, unable to speak on his or her own behalf. So what is he saying? He's saying that God's people who have the ability to rule and reign in life are living more like a slave than the true child of God they are because they're ignorant, because they're immature, and because they're unable to speak on their own behalf. Unable or unwilling to open up their mouths and run that devil through with the sword of the Spirit who keeps pestering you and annoying you and coming after you. Amen. Amen. And, and we're going to live more like our, our outward life reality is going to look more like that of a slave instead of a child of God who has been given the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus and the word of God and the ability on this earth to rule and reign as kings in life. But instead of living like kings, we're living like slaves, not because we're slaves, but because we are still as a child, ignorant, immature, unable to speak on his or her own behalf. I believe that, and discipleship is about overcoming those, right? Uh, so uh, the ignorance we overcome by learning. Amen? Anybody learned anything last few weeks? Praise God. Yes, we're learning, right? And then, but, but remember those folks in Hebrews 5 who learned a whole bunch of things, but they never developed any skill. Remember that bunch, Hebrews 5 and 13? In church long enough to be teachers themselves, but they need somebody to go back and teach them the basics, and they're like babies instead of full-grown adults. Why? Not because they, were, they had no knowledge of the Bible, but because they had developed no skill. They didn't know how to take what they had learned and put it into practice in their lives, how to use the Word of God skillfully. Again, as a, as a, a seed, as um, a sword, as a light, uh, as... A, um, a hammer and his fire. Amen. All right. Yes? Okay. So now notice then what God is saying here. I have put my words in your mouth. God's words in your mouth. Amen. God's words in your mouth. In order for his word to be in your mouth, it's got to be in your heart. Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's in your heart in abundance is going to come out of your mouth. If you squeeze a ketchup bottle, ketchup's coming out. And when the devil squeezes you, whatever's in you is going to come out of you. 
Amen. That's why we got to put the word of God, hide it in our hearts so we might not sin against God. Get the word of God in your heart in abundance. Amen. So that when life squeezes you, when the devil sets up uh, traps and, and, and schemes and things that he uses against us, that um, what comes out of us is not complaining, is not blaming, is not, uh, right? But it's the word of God that comes out of it, not cussing. Uh, amen. Uh, or on me, I'm just saying. Amen. So that, that it comes out of us. So God, God says this, I've put my words in your mouth. I've put my words in your mouth. God wants to put his words in your mouth. And then he says, I have covered you with the shadow of my hand. Now, there's different ways of understanding this, but when, it, when he talks about covering you with the shadow of his hand, he's basically talking about you being covered with everything his hand represents, the hand of God on your life, on my life, okay? It's a, it's a hand of, of uh, protection. It's a hand of provision. God's hand is a hand of promotion. Promotion doesn't come from the east or the west. It comes from God, amen. Let God promote you. Quit trying to promote yourself. Let God promote you, and he will promote you, amen. It's like, it's like riches. The Bible says the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. If you let God promote you, I'm not saying there won't be challenges, but there won't be sorrow if God does it. If we do it, amen, we're liable to get ourselves into, into all kinds of positions that we had no business being in, or at least had no business being in until what? Until we weren't as ignorant as we were and, and, and immature and unable to speak on our own behalf. Amen. All right. So he's covered you with the shadow of his hand. He's put his words in your mouth. He's covered you with the shadow of his hand. And now what is he wanting to do? That, that I may, notice now God is, make sure you follow the pronouns here. God is saying that he's done all this. His words in your mouth covered you with the shadow of his hand so that he may plant the heavens. That he may plant the heavens. It's like, well, what's, what's the big deal? If God wants the heavens planted, I mean, he's up there. Why don't he just plant them himself? So it's one thing for God's word to be at this higher place coming down to a lower place. Right. But it's another thing altogether for his word. Are you seeing this now? A higher place to a lower place. Now, when the circle is completed and we speak his word back to him, his words in your mouth, his hand on your life. He is now speaking through you. His words are being spoken through you into the heavens, planting the heavens. I didn't point it out in Isaiah 55, but if you were paying attention, he did not say uh, the heaven, but he said heavens, plural. Now we see it again here. Heavens, plural, that I may plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth, say in design, you are my people. So when he's talking about planting the heavens with the word of God, remember the word of God is, is spirit and life. Amen. John uh, 17, 17. Spirit and life. And when he's talking about planting the heavens, he's talking about planting the realm of the spirit with the word of God. Amen. Now, I don't go too far down this road, but because we will go all the way down this road in the days ahead. But let me just mention it to you now. You have been blessed, Ephesians 1 and 3, um, 3, 1. One of those two, three, one. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Not will be, have been. You have been given, 2 Peter 1, 4, I think. Have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. Not will be, have been. Okay, 1 Corinthians 
chapter 2, somewhere around verse 12. Um, you have received not the spirit of this world, but you have received the spirit who is from God, so that you might know the things that have been freely given to you by God. Amen. Now, if we're going to be men and women of the book, the Bible, the Word of God, and we're going to be men and women of, of faith, then according to the Word of God, by His stripes you were healed. Not will be. Not will be. You have to, again, this is back to our own understanding versus God's understanding. Our own understanding wants to wait until we're healed to say we are. Amen. But in Jesus Christ, who took the stripes on his back for your healing, that's when you were healed. You were healed when Jesus took the blame and the punishment. Uh, you were forgiven when Jesus bled to death naked on a cross. Amen. I know this again. We we're not in Kansas anymore. OK, we, we, we're moving into spiritual things now. But see, you've got to you've got to modify. Holy Spirit will help you understand it. But so God's word coming down from a higher place to a lower place to you and me, if his word says to you and me, by my stripes, you were healed. Amen. He doesn't want you to say, I'm going to get healed. I'm going to get healed. See, that would reflect ignorance. <laughs> oh, sweet Jesus. I'm not trying to make you mad. I'm just trying to show you, right? I'm just trying to show you. Okay. All right. Um, believe, Pastor Mark, believe with me for a good report. I'll believe with you for a good report, but... But what if the report's not what you're looking for? When are you going to believe God no matter what the report says? Amen. See, there's a difference here, right? That's not how faith works. Faith doesn't say, I'll believe it when I see it. Faith says, I believe it no matter what I see because God said it. Amen. This is how we act on faith. This is how we confess the Word of God. Faith confession, confessing what the Word of God says. Amen. Amen. Are you with me? Okay. Now, so we see then some key areas here. God wants to plant the heavens. When we talk about having been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heaven and places, having been given all things of pain, life, and godliness, all, all of those things are yours in the realm of the Spirit. Faith, watch this now, faith reaches into the realm of the Spirit and brings these things you've already been given into the realm of the natural. Yes? Yes? Okay. So we got to plant the heavens. Plant the heavens. Then this next one, same deal, God's word in your mouth, his hand on your life so that he also may do what? Lay the foundations of the earth. Psalm 82 says that all the foundations of the earth are out of course. The world has not always been as it is right now and it will not always be as it is right now. Okay. When God made the, 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 the earth and then planted that garden in Eden and everything in that garden was, mwah, it was perfect. Okay. It was good. It was very good. Okay. But when Adam and Eve sinned, the Bible says a curse came for their sake because of what they did. Sin threw a wrench in the proverbial works of creation. And now we see in Romans 8 where all of creation is on its tiptoes. That's a, I forget the translation. It's not amplified, but anyway. One translation says all of creation is on its tiptoes waiting for the sons of God. Male sons, female sons. Gender neutral. We're not talking about gender here, okay? To take their rightful place again. Take their rightful place. You ever, you ever uh, had a job that you, let's say you really enjoyed the job, you really enjoyed the work, it was very uh, life-giving, um, but it's like there was no leader or, or there was a weak leader, no strong leader, and, and because of that, you know, things wouldn't get finished or there'd be squabbles among other employees that would never get resolved. And, and in other words, I'm trying to give you an example of, of what happens when whoever's supposed to be in charge is not doing their job. Are you with me? 
And what we're experiencing right now on planet Earth, with all this, the chaos and everything that's going on, amen, we can blame God, we can blame the devil, we can blame the government, all these other things, but we see it very clearly in Genesis 1 that God blessed Adam when He created him. That word blessing means He empowered him to prosper. And He gave him five royal mandates. And one of those royal mandates was if anything gets out of line, you subdue it. God would not have equipped us with the authority and ability and power to subdue things uh, that get out of line if there were not going to be some things that got out of line and needed to be subdued. Right? How about school? You remember, man, my, my daughter teaches school now, and it, it's, it's just it's the things that she deals with. And, you know, it, it's, it, and it's so unfair for a, for a couple of students, right, to ruin the whole experience for everybody else. Amen. And so then, you know, you get the, the retired substitute teacher, and I love teachers, don't misunderstand me. Anybody remember that one in school? There were, you knew when she came, you could basically get away with anything short of, of first-degree murder. And... and um, and there'd be no consequences, right? Okay. So I'm trying to give you examples of situations that, that we do not... We think, man, if we could just get to a place in life where there's nobody over us and no... Listen, you do not want to be in a place where there's no authority. Amen. Amen. This whole, uh, you know, fire the police and get rid of the police department. You do not want to live in a world um, where there is no authority or rule. <coughs> it's not going to be... Amen. But watch me now. I, I spend too much time on that stuff. It, it stirs me up, all right? But, but, let's, but let's get back to it, okay? Why is, why is creation like, you know, longing for the children of God to take their rightful place? It's because our rightful place is leading and overseeing uh, and, and uh, subduing and having dominion over this created realm. And, and again... Uh, we, we just kind of abandoned ship. You know, humankind has kind of turned the, the wheel over to the enemy instead of uh, relying. So when he says, lay the foundations of the earth, the idea is, and, and foundations here, you could think foundations of a building, but he's just talking about the, 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 the basic fundamental aspects of creation and how things are supposed to work and function. When Jesus rebuked the storm that was trying to drown him and his, and his disciples, right? He was subduing something that was out of line. He was bringing it into alignment. He was saying, no, no, not, not here, not now. Peace be still, wind hush, lay down, waves get, get smooth again. And it's like, you know, if we didn't know this was in the Bible, we'd think, you know, making it up. And still a lot of people struggle with this. But what he's doing is he is operating in the authority that was given to Adam and, and wearing Adam's crown, if you will, uh, having dominion over uh, the earth. So notice now, one of the foundations got out of whack. God didn't create uh, this planet uh, for tornadoes to blow through towns and kill people and just do billions of dollars worth of damage. It's not how he creates, not how he left it. People look at that kind of stuff and say, God's in control. Read your Bible. Satan is the God of this world. He's the prince of the power of the air. He loves to use weather to bring destruction. Okay. Get stirred up about that as well. So God is wanting to cover you with the shadow of his hand, put his words in your mouth so that he can plant the heavens, yes, so they can lay the foundations of the earth. In other words, get, get these things back into alignment and agreement as they're supposed to be. And then say to Zion, you are my people. Say to Zion, you are my people. Remember those two branches of the ministry of reconciliation. 
And both of those are applicable here. But in the first one, we take the Word of God and we go proclaim it to others who have not heard or have not yet responded to the Gospel. Amen. And when they hear that, that's how they become the people of God. That's how they're born again. If we get there in tonight's sermon in the main service, you know, we, we like to say that everybody on planet Earth is God's children. And, and that, is, that is incorrect. That is incorrect. The Bible says that God came to His own and His own received Him not. His own people rejected Him. But as many as receive Him, as many as receive Him, to them He gave the power to become sons of God. Amen. So this idea, well, we're just all God's children, Pastor. But the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible does not teach that. Okay? So we use the Word of God, God's words in our mouth covered with the shadow of His hand, to bring other people into the kingdom. Now, let's get into this heavens plural. Heavens plural. Um, the word is plural, which we know means more than one. And this is important to understand. He did not say plant heaven, but plant the heavens. I'm going to run through a verse or two here kind of quickly. You're familiar with this one, but let me point it out to you in case you've never noticed. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens. There it is again. It's plural. So not just heaven and earth, but the heavens, plural, and earth. Okay? Now, this verse right here, I mean, you talk about the wisdom of God, and it's kind of tucked away over here in the book of 1 Kings. But 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 27 really, really, really sheds um, light on this. 1 Kings 8 and 27. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you, much less this temple which I have built. So now notice we're, we're getting into the multiples here. He says heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you, much less this temple which I have built. Now, I'm gonna, it's going to take me a minute to explain the importance of this next statement. But if you're going to write something down about this, you might want to write this down right here. What he's saying in 1 Corinthians 8 and 27 is this. The heaven over you has a heaven over it. The heaven over you has a heaven over over it. Okay? Now, over here doesn't just mean altitude. Okay? The word over doesn't just mean one that's a little bit higher. Okay? But over as in over in authority. Over in the sense that it is, it is the, the greater power and the greater ability. So there's a heaven over you and me, but the heaven that's over you and me has a heaven over it. And the heaven that's over it, amen, is uh, the heaven where God uh, uh, abides. I got a, got a dear friend, his mother's 101, went home to be with Jesus on uh, uh, last Sunday uh, afternoon, late afternoon, uh, early evening. And, uh, and she's in heaven. And I'll show you all this in, in a simple drawing here in just a moment, okay? So, we're, we're talking about the heaven over you as a heaven over it. The, the first heaven over you and me would be the heaven of the earth's atmosphere. The heaven of the earth's atmosphere. Okay, So that would be the first heaven, if we're going to learn heavens plural. The first heaven would be the heaven of earth's atmosphere. Now why is this important? In order to rule the earth, 
you must rule the lower heaven over the earth. Sometimes we think hell is like, you know, the honeycomb hideout for the devil or something. Um, that hell is like the devil's lair. My friend, that is, that is not true. Hell is Satan's eternal place of punishment. He will one day be thrown into the lake of fire. Are you following what I'm saying tonight? Okay. So where then does the devil uh, function and exist and operate from? He functions and exists and operates from the first heaven over the earth, the lower atmosphere around the earth. I'll show you this in the scriptures here in just a moment, but I'm wanting you, as we work our way into this, I'm wanting to develop within you some imagery. As a matter of fact, I'm going to, I'm going to put a little simple drawing up here in just a moment, okay? Um, so the, the Satan, that's why um, he's referred to as the prince of the power of the air, okay? It's because he's trying to uh, operate in uh, the atmosphere around the earth and, and from that position uh, manipulate and control things that are uh, here uh, taking place on the earth. It, it, if you remember when they went to Gadara, now the Bible doesn't say this, and I told you from day one, anytime I... Uh, expound upon something that's a theory or an opinion. I'm going to wave a flag so you'll know, okay? Uh, don't go looking for this in the Scripture. But I, don't, I think based upon what, I mean, when I say looking for this in the Scripture, I mean looking for these exact words in the Scripture. But I believe based upon what we have in the Bible concerning all these things, that it's a, it's a very safe uh, conjecture, okay? And, and that is, if you remember when they were on their way to uh, Gadara to cast the legion of demons out of that man. Um, that was when they encountered a quote-unquote storm out of nowhere and, and obviously trying to rock the, the, the boat and capsize the boat and kill Jesus. Now what we do know from Scripture is that when Jesus went to cast the demons out of that man that they begged to not be sent to another geographical location. All right, And so I've explained to you uh, before, I'll remind you again, Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies, there are certain things that attract demonic spirits, there are certain things that make them very comfortable, and there are certain things that make them very uncomfortable. And what I personally believe, and so here comes the, uh, uh, the part that is semi-conjecture, uh, okay, is that there was a demonic stronghold in the atmosphere over that area, Jesus was going to set that man free and Satan tried to stop him by bringing up that, that, that serious storm. If you look at it carefully in the scriptures, it, wasn't, it, was, it was like a windstorm. There wasn't rain and all this other stuff, okay? Um, but again, prince of the power of the air. He's got a stronghold there. He wants to stay there. We do know he, that they all want to stay there. All right, and, and I'm going to stretch it a little further. Again, you don't have to believe this to go to heaven, but I believe a lot of that had to do with what was going on in the Roman Empire and the demonic forces that were at work to try to use, uh, in those days, what was the most powerful earthly empire to uh, be weaponized against Christianity. Okay, everybody still with Pastor Mark up in here? All right, thank you for letting me take that little, that little uh, detour for a moment there. So over is speaking of more than... <clears throat> altitude, but we're talking about a place or a position of authority. So in order to rule uh, the earth, you must rule the lower heavens over it. 
Okay, so let's look at this. Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 14. Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God. Also, the earth uh, with all that is in it. All right. So, wow, that's pretty cool, right? So, heaven, highest heavens belong to the Lord your God and also the earth with all that is in it. Let's go 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And this time we're going to go 1 uh, through 4. Am I going too fast? I see some of you like speed riding there. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 1. It says uh, this, It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows such a one was caught up to the, there it is, third heaven. Third heaven. Now, this man that he's referring to, uh, the Apostle Paul is referring to, is none other than himself. It's none other than himself. Um, I, this is another one of those areas where people have um, different opinions about it. Uh, I, I know of people who have been to heaven, I don't know them personally, but who, who have been to heaven that, that did not have what would be called a near-death experience. We do know that Paul was stoned um, and left for dead. Matter of fact, he was dead, but God raised him from the dead. Uh, and some, and I think it's a fair or safe, uh, uh, you know, assumption. The only thing that bugs me here is he didn't know whether in the body or out of the body. Okay, um, a lot of times people have a near-death experience; they actually see their body. Um, and but in this case, Paul did not. But what we do know is that he was caught up to heaven and the heaven that he was in of the, of the heavens was the third heaven. All right. And now verse number three, and I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Okay. Now, I'm going to be very brief with this. I'll be very brief with this, but there, there is a book that I would recommend uh, uh, folks to read. And rarely do I recommend books because rarely do I find a book that I agree, uh, you know, with everything that's in it. Amen. And, uh, you know, I, again, if I'm going to endorse something, I want to be able to believe that, you know, it's, it's worth your time and effort. But the book is called Imagine Heaven by Pastor John Burke, and it's a... Uh, a cataloging of and uh, revealing of uh, people who have uh, left their bodies, gone to heaven, and returned to tell the story. And uh, it's, it's a very fascinating book. He actually has a sequel to the book, Imagine the God of Heaven, that I'm listening to now. Um, and when what he loves to do with those experiences, even people who are raised in other cultures and in other religions, is show how, um, you know, how they interpret it versus what they actually saw in their testimony. And so, for example, not most people who've never heard of Jesus or know Jesus, they know instantly that it's Jesus. You hear people talk about, almost universally, they talk about a God of light and love. People who know nothing about Christianity, know nothing about the Bible, have never read anything 
about God being the light, Jesus being the light of the world, and God is love, okay? Um, and then sometimes they will, they will overlay that with goddesses or, you know, that they worship in various Hindu religions and things of this nature. But if you look at what they actually said, um, they didn't see uh, a naked female god with eight arms. Um, they, they saw a man, right, <laughs> who uh, was full of light that enveloped them and loved them. Um, but I, I said all that to say... Uh, and heard inexpressible words which is not lawful for a man to utter. Sometimes we look at this, and I'm not saying it's a wrong interpretation to say that, that, that Paul saw things that he was forbidden. That's, that's almost exclusively how I've taught this over the years, that he saw things that he was forbidden to tell. Okay, um, And I'm not saying that's wrong or incomplete, but what we know from people who have been there and come back is that there are no English words to accurately communicate what they have experienced and what, what they have seen and what they have witnessed um, on the other side. Um, the God who created uh, light uh, created you and me with eyes that can see a sliver of the light spectrum. Are you with me? Anybody remember the light spectrum? Roy G. Biv, red, orange, yellow, uh, green, blue, indigo, violet. Yes. Anybody remember that from school? Okay. You see, that's the visible light spectrum in the sense that it's what your eyes can see. Okay, your physical eyes can see uh, anything between uh, red and violet. Anybody ever heard of infrared? Anybody ever heard of ultraviolet? <laughs> okay, so in other words, this is light on the other sides of red and violet. So our physical eyes can only pick up a very narrow sliver. Uh, lots and lots and lots of people who go to heaven and come back speak of... Uh, uh, telescopic vision that they can look and focus on something uh, well for instance we know the city's 1400 miles square right and they can actually zoom in on a foundation stone that could be a thousand miles away and see it okay and I know I'm getting kind of bizarre out, out here on you uh, I could talk about these things because to me it's, it's, it's fascinating and, um, and we're seeing an increase in, in these things and, and Pastor Burke uh, postulates, and I agree with him, that it's the mercy of God, uh, both for the individual. Uh, one thing that, that, that I struggled with and he helped me understand is remember that Paul saw Jesus before Paul was born again. See, we have this idea, well, how can somebody who's worshipped all of their whole life see Jesus and be saved? Just because they saw Jesus doesn't mean they're saved. Are you following what I'm saying? Um, but it is the mercy of God, both for that individual, but listen to me now, for us, amen, amen. where, where um, people are, are receiving these experiences so that we can hear and know about them. Now, putting the scriptures together here, we know that Paul went up to the third heaven, and we also know that the third heaven is where the throne of God is, okay? And then we also know that this is uh, the location of paradise now, okay? Now, here, here is um, this uh, simple uh, little drawing, and um, it's, uh, amen, one of my early attempts uh, at one of these, and so I appreciate you bearing with me. Um, and uh, I just like doing cool things, so uh, hopefully you find that cool. But um, <clears throat> The, the drawing, and those of you listening on the podcast, um, it's, it's a picture 
of the earth, like a cartoon blue and green showing the continents in the, in the center. And then out from that is another circle around the earth. And then out from that is an, another circle. And we see then that the uh, circle, uh, first circle around the earth would be the earth's atmosphere. And it would also be the first or sometimes referred to as the lower heaven. Okay. Then the next one, an, another, there's a space in between the outer circle and the one that's around the earth. And that is outer space, what we would call outer space. And also then that would be the second heaven, if you will, by process of elimination. We don't find the word second heaven in, in, in the scriptures, okay? Um, we know there's an atmosphere and we know there's a third heaven. And so we fill in the blanks on the first and the second. And then, the, uh, then beyond that, we have the third heaven, or what is called paradise. And we also know that paradise is where the throne of God is now. And when I say now, when I say now, uh, we know that when Jesus uh, died on the cross, that he went to death, hell, and the grave. And there he preached to righteous dead who were in Abraham's bosom. And this was, again, like a holding place. People have different terminology, purgatory, different terminology that people have ascribed uh, to this holding place. But what we know is that Jesus preached to them and he took those folks who had been captive and he uh, brought captivity captive. In other words, he set those people free when they heard and believed the gospel. And towards the end of the gospel of Matthew, Matthew's account, we find that people who had been dead for years were seen alive and well walking streets of Jerusalem, okay? And I believe that these were the men and women that Jesus had preached to who received Him as their Savior, who were raised from the dead. I do not know, you know, how long they stayed here on, on the earth, uh, if they stayed the, the 40 days like Jesus did, or if they just, you know, said hi to their children and said, I'm okay, I'll see you on the other side, follow Jesus. I don't know, but, but what we do know is that these folks were... Um, were born again, raised from the dead, and will be in heaven one day when, uh, when we get there. And I'm looking forward. Uh, we're going to have a lot of time, amen, uh, eternity, right? But I'm looking forward to kind of hearing more about that. Amen. You still with me? Y'all good? I, I can get my voice up. If you notice, if I don't talk super loud, I don't cough. So amen. All right. Now, praise the name of the living God. <clears throat> so... Um, so the next thing is, and I'm not trying to offend anybody's uh, doctrines or what have you, but according to what the Apostle Paul saw, paradise is no longer a separate holding area, but paradise in the, is in the third heaven where the throne of God is. Amen. Okay. Again, what does the Word say? Not what our traditional beliefs, not what it is that you know your great-grandmother believed and told you. What does the Bible say? That's what we're interested in, okay? Now, we see then that uh, these three heavens... Well, let me, let me stop here for a moment, too. Um, remember that everything we see came from a, a, a world, a realm that we cannot see. Things which are visible came from that which is invisible. So I'm not trying to imply that Elon Musk or anybody else could create a rocket that we could one day fly from the earth and crash land in, in paradise. That, that, that's, we're talking about something that is, is spiritual, 
again, we tend to think of physical first, spiritual second, but it's the other way around. It's spiritual first, natural second, okay? Um, and so when we talk about paradise, we're talking about a, a real place, uh, and it's amazing how people who've never read the Bible who saw heaven from a distance and described it, their descriptions line up with exactly what the Bible says. I'm going to go on and on with this, okay? Um, in the book, Imagine Heaven, Imagine the God of Heaven. So lower heaven, atmospheric heaven, got the planetary heaven, okay, which would be like outer space, okay? Let me put these up on the screen here. So lower heaven or atmospheric heaven, the planetary heaven or what we may think of as outer space, but then you got the third heaven also known as paradise. If you remember the thief on the cross that rebuked, uh, the other man, the other thief on the cross who was making fun of Jesus with the crowd, okay, uh, he said, we deserve what we, you know, our punishment, but this man uh, does nothing, has done nothing. Jesus, remember me when you enter in to your kingdom. And what did Jesus say? He said, Luke 23, 43, assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Okay. Now, Revelation chapter 2 and verse 7 um, let, let me go back to this now. Today you will be with me in paradise. Um, <clears throat> again, I'm not trying to get all uh, technical on you, but paradise would have been... And I, let, me, let me see if I can say it to you this way, and this is the way I believe the Holy Spirit has impressed me to share this, okay? Jesus is like, okay, I'll tell you what. Uh, meet me in paradise in, in, a, in a few hours, and, uh, and, we'll, and we'll get all this straightened out. <laughs> Are you understand what I'm saying here? Um, either way, this is, remember I told you of all the things that Jesus did, that we have specific things recorded in the scriptures. Uh, it, 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 in other words, far more than what we have recorded occurred. So that means what we have recorded was for specific reasons. And I think this is um, specifically in here uh, to, to show us that although water baptism is important, that water baptism is not a requirement for someone to, to be saved and to go to heaven. Uh, if you've been born again and you've not been baptized in water, you need to be. Um, and again, I'm not trying to offend anybody's upbringing or, or religious traditions, but this idea that if you're not baptized, you're going to hell, uh, baptized in water, you're going to hell, or baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're going to hell. Again, what does the Word say? What does the Word say? Okay. So, yes, sister. Um, no, you cannot get trapped in the atmosphere. Um, you're either going to be absent from the body for a born-again believer is to be present with the Lord in, in less than the blink of an eye. Uh, to, or if you do not know the Lord, you go, you're going the other direction and waiting for final judgment. So, But there's this idea, and again, I'm not trying to offend anybody. Uh, I, I, have, I, have a, I have the book, capital T, capital B, uh, that I go by. I know there's a lot of people who theorize a lot of things, okay? Um, and, you know, you hear people say, well, you know, my grandmother came to me. And so, well, my grandfather came to me, but it, it wasn't him. It was, it was in, um, after a prolonged fast, I was in a sleep, and it was a dream. But it was him, and, and we talked about things. That, you know, it wasn't like it was my grandfather, and he was driving a, a purple Volkswagen upside down or something. That's not, in other words, it was a very real, very important conversation, things that he said to me in that dream. He hugged me in that dream. Um, I, I remember what he looked like, all that, very, very real, okay? But according to Jesus, 
when someone uh, dies, if, whether they go to Abraham's bosom as it was before Jesus um, died on the cross, or they do like Lazarus, rich man and Lazarus, right? Um, there's a gulf fixed between the two. So just the whole idea of crossing back and forth and, and your sister-in-law haunting you because, you know, you didn't invite her to Easter lunch one day or something. And, you know, she's, no, no, see, no, that, all that's crazy. Right? This demonic spirits would love to try to make us believe those kinds of things. And then the other one, <coughs> I think sometimes we think it was that person when it wasn't that person, but it was either your angel or their angel um, that, you know, because angels deliver messages, right? Um, I got confused on something a long time ago where I thought it was something the Lord said to me, and, and I even said on tape that the Lord said it to me because it's very real, very profound what he said to me. Um, but it didn't make sense that he would be the one saying something like that to me. And, and sometime later, it, it fi I finally realized it wasn't him saying that to me. It was uh, my guardian angel that said that to me. Okay? There's a big difference between Jesus and my guardian angel. Amen? Okay. Um, it had to do with my sister's house being destroyed in a tornado. And, um, but anyway, we won't go down that road. So praise God. Everybody still with me? Amen. Anybody got about 10 more minutes? Because we're just about out of time. Wow, it's going by so fast. Yes, no, maybe. Are y'all? Are so it's been different tonight. Y'all still, y'all still good? Everybody live? Everybody wake up? I got a pulse. Amen. All right. Okay. Say it again. Okay. Well, you know it's coming, don't you, brother? All right. So Revelation chapter two, verse seven. It says, "He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God." So again, I'm trying to, I'm trying to show you, uh, Brother Jesse Duplantis, if you've ever listened to his testimony about his trip to heaven, um, he spent a few hours uh, in, in heaven back in the early 80s. And, um, you know, some people think, man, that guy, he's, he's out there. Well, I, amen. Watch it and listen to it for yourself and be the judge. But, um, but he talks about this, uh, the tree of life and the, and the leaves of the healing of the nations and how that was administered to him while he was there to give him the ability to, um, to exist in that atmosphere, okay? And let me, let me come back to something real quick, and I, I hope this will encourage you. Um, you know, on, on this side of, of heaven, um, Satan tries to manipulate our flesh and, and, and our physical bodies and our physical appetites, and he tries to use our physical senses to deceive us. That's why the Bible says we, we walk by faith, not by sight. We're not living our lives based upon the way things look, uh, seem, feel, appear. Amen. We're living our lives based upon what does the Word say. And we're going with what the Word says, even if it doesn't look, seem, feel, appear, uh, you know, that anything's doing in, in changing or what have you, okay? Um, but notice now <clears throat> that, and I believe this was the way it was with, with Adam. Remember when Adam and Eve sinned, they're like, Shazam, we're naked, Okay. Well, they had never wore clothes, right? But they, you are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. And they were so spiritually conscious that they were not aware that they had a body until they sinned. Wow. Now, we think that's kind of odd and strange. But heaven looks at you and me tonight and so many people on planet Earth that have become so fleshly and physically aware that they don't know they have a spirit. Amen. You <laughs> see. So when in heaven, it's like, and Jesse Duplantis says the same thing. 
doesn't know if his body was there or not. I don't know about you, but that's that's pretty good deal, right? That that the flesh is serving the purpose for which it was originally created, and of course we know that we're going to have a glorified body uh, when we uh, get to heaven uh, one day. Praise God! All right, let's push on through uh, Ephesians two and two. Uh, it says uh, this in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit, lowercase s, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Okay. Then Job 38, 33. Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you set their dominion over the earth? And notice again, heavens, it's plural there. It's plural there. Now, some of the most fascinating verses in all the Bible on this subject are found in the book of Daniel. So let's look at a few verses there in the time that we have remaining. Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 through 13. Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 through 13. Angel of the Lord appears to Daniel and he said to Daniel, Do not fear, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince, excuse me, <coughs> the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now, I'll give you a little backstory. Daniel, oh, I never changed the slide there. I apologize. All right. Daniel has found in the scriptures where there are some things that God's people should be experiencing and enjoying that they are not experiencing and enjoying. And Daniel wants to know why this has not happened and why these things have not come to pass. And notice that it says that he set his heart to understand. Remember some of those verses that we looked at for those of you here in the earlier classes, just kind of uh, the Bible says, when you seek the Lord with your whole heart, you'll find him. He says, according to your longing to understand, it'll be revealed to you. Uh, he who has a ready heart for the wisdom and truth of God, the insights and understandings will flow freely. But to the one who does not have a ready heart, they can stare. I'm quoting a message translation now from Matthew 13. They can stare at these things till doomsday and never see them. So the attitude of our heart you know, is so critical in our ability to hear and receive the things that God's trying to say to us. Brother Keith Moore uh, says it this way. He says you can, you can get the plan on the willing band, like like a radio band, radio wave. When we get willing before God, this is when we're able to hear what it is that Father God desires for us to do. Also associated with this, if you've ever heard of a Daniel fast, anybody Daniel fast? All right. We know that Daniel had actually fasted at this point for 21 days. Now understand the Daniel fast is not just 21 days. The reason Daniel said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat basically bread and water is he was prepared to fast however long it took for him to get an answer. Okay. Now, as this applies to you and me in the New Testament and New, New Covenant believers, there are all kinds of things that the Bible says we should be experiencing 
and, 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 and enjoying in our walk with the Lord and, and in our uh, servant leadership and, and, and things of this nature. Notice that Daniel, when he began to see these things, he got really serious about finding the answers, okay? And so he fasted for 21 days, and on that 21st day, the, the angel appears, and he says to Daniel, um, the first day you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I've come because of your words. We're not going to have time to cover all this. We'll jump back in on it next week, but just stay with me now for a minute. He said, I've come because of your words. So Daniel prayed, and it wasn't like the angel of the Lord, you know, was uh, on vacation or something and, uh, and, and put off going to help or trying to get the answer to Daniel for three weeks. But instead, we see that that angel responded immediately uh, to the words that Daniel had prayed and spoken. And you can rest assured that he's praying and speaking the Word of God, what the Word of God says about his uh, situation. But notice why the answer was delayed. The answer was delayed because the prince of the kingdom of Persia, so this would be speaking of a high-ranking, uh, you know, there is a hierarchy uh, to uh, angels, and remember that demons are nothing more than fallen angels, and we see then that there is a, when I say hierarchy, rank and file, Amen. Sister Billy Brim refers to low-level devils, you know, as, as demons and imps and things of this nature. But then, then you've got what some may call the big boys. All right. And so now you've got a big boy uh, demon, a uh, high-ranking demon, and he goes by uh, uh, the prince of the kingdom of Persia. So notice now Persia is an earthly kingdom on the earth, but in the lower atmosphere of the earth, You've, you've got a high-ranking, uh, well-organized, so to speak, I don't know how well-organized they get, but you understand what I mean, uh, effort to keep that nation in darkness, to keep these people from, from hearing from God and receiving from God. Hashtag resistance is real. Come on now, anybody in the room with me, right? And so this, uh, this uh, angel who left heaven with Daniel's answer because of his words now, the, the prince of Persia is fighting Daniel to prevent him from breaking through the lower atmosphere of the earth and getting Daniel's answer to him. And this fight went on and on until a bigger boy, uh, so to speak, came. I mean, no disrespect, Michael. I mean, we use that term here on the earth. I'm sure you're well aware of that. But, but you know, so now Michael, one of the chief princes in heaven, he comes and takes over the fight so that the messenger angel could uh, continue on down into Daniel's presence and give him the answer. Now, look at this in verse 20, same chapter, chapter 10, verse 20. Then uh, he said, Do you know why I've come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. So now this... Uh, uh, angel is making the return trip back through the lower heaven, amen, uh, across the planetary heavens, back to paradise, or you know, the throne of God. In those days, it would have been uh, heaven as we know it, where God's throne is, okay? 
Um, and he says, not only am I going to have to fight with the prince of Persia to get back the prince of Greece, another high-ranking uh, demon that controls uh, or tries to control uh, that geographical location. Are y'all picking this up, man? This is, am I the one this is fascinating? I mean, it's just fascinating. Okay, so we're getting, we're getting a glimpse here. We're getting a glimpse into this thing. So now we see that there's, there's another demonic prince who is uh, trying to control the atmosphere and the geographical area known as Greece to uh, prevent those folks from hearing and receiving from God and also to try to keep them um, in, in darkness. All right? Now, compare that because I want you to see how things have changed. When we introduce the idea of um, you know, the New Testament and Jesus revealing to us things that have been kept a secret from the foundations of the world, we made some comparisons to John's era that was passing away to Jesus's era that was beginning. And, and we said that in the Old Testament, anybody remember this one? In the Old Testament, if you touched a leper, what happened to you? You became unclean. But in the New Testament now, we can touch a leper and the leper's made clean. Now here, here, here is another really, really stark difference between what was and what now is. What was uh, back in the day, <laughs> Uh, to access uh, answers from heaven uh, was very difficult because heaven was very far away. It was three heavens removed from the earth and you had demonic spirits, uh, at least to some extent organized, trying to prevent any answers or help coming from uh, the throne of God to the earth. But now notice what Jesus says in John chapter 1, verse 51. And he said to him, most surely I say to you, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Unhindered, unimpeded, right? Now, why is that? It's for a lot of reasons and I'm really, really excited about explaining all this to you and teaching you these things, okay? But... What we know is that when Jesus came, when Jesus came, He brought the kingdom of God with Him to the earth. When Jesus came, the kingdom of God went from three heavens away and very difficult to access to being nigh at hand. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Hand. What does that mean? If something is at hand, that's mean, that means it's as close as your outstretched hand. It went from very difficult to access, far, far away, to the king came to the earth and he brought his kingdom with him. Amen. Are you seeing this? Okay. So these are some of the differences that we're going to, uh, to dig into in, uh, in our next class. But I want to go back to... Daniel praying, Daniel fasting, Daniel continuing to stand on the Word, Daniel continuing to believe God for answers, right? And what was taking place in the spirit realm behind the scenes, amen? Um, again, the Bible does not say this, but I think that we can draw this conclusion 
that if Daniel had have gotten serious about this for a day or two, and, um, and then when the answer didn't come, got interested in other things and changed the subject, I'm not sure that he would have ever got the answer. Okay? In other words, what he was doing by way of praying and, and standing and believing was making a difference in the realm of the Spirit and his ability to ultimately receive that answer. Yes? Okay. So what we do also affects the, uh, the spiritual environment around us. Um, God inhabits the praises of his people where two or three are gathered together in his name. He said, I'm there in the midst. And we could go on and on with these verses. right? But there are things that we can do that will um, literally uh, shift the environment around us. Uh, the Bible says that we entertain angels unaware. And I believe 100% that that would be angelic beings that for all intents and purposes we see them as human beings and, and intervene in some ways in our lives. So don't misunderstand me. I do believe that. But Brother Keith Lindsay, he's with Jesus now. Um, he, he taught me something about that that I think is, is also true as well. And that is that there are times when uh, heaven is very, very near and very, very close uh, to us, and we're experiencing uh, things that, that we may not readily recognize and, and, and understand uh, that's, that's happening that we're, quote-unquote, not, not aware of with our five physical senses, but yet we, we know what we're experiencing and what we're sensing even uh, in our born-again spirit. Amen? amen? Yes? Okay. All right. Um, amen. You get anything out of this? All right, let me, let, let's pray. Father, um, thank you for your love. Thank you for helping us tonight. Thank you for revealing your truth and wisdom to us. Thank you, Father, for the gift of your son. Um, Lord, a lot of these folks um, in this room, I, I won't see them again until after Christmas. But Lord, I just thank you for uh, just the most blessed and, and, and special Christmas, Father, that we've experienced yet um, as we celebrate the birth of your son and the gift that was given, a son was given to us, uh, a priceless gift, and he is the gift that keeps on giving uh, in so many ways and so many things in our lives, Father. And so help us with your Holy Word and your Holy Spirit really, really connect, Father, with you uh, in an experiential and life-transforming way this Christmas uh, season, Father. Um, thank you for your wisdom and your words. Thank you for helping us understand, Father, that, that our actions, our attitudes, our words, um, our, our willingness to give, uh, pray, fast, things that Jesus gave us specific instructions concerning, Father, uh, absolutely are important and, and makes a difference, Lord, uh, in our lives and the lives of other people. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, so remember, we will have class on the 27th. Know that you're loved. Merry Christmas. Best Christmas ever in Jesus. Amen.